ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Top 8 Magic. I'm Brian David Marshall and I am joined by Magic the Gathering Hall of Famer, Pro Tour Champion, uh, Zvi Moshowitz. Zvi, uh, we are, it's not really, can't really call this a Mythic Invitational preview show because round one is going on in the background <laughs> while we talk. But we well, really wanted to talk about deck lists here. As the as NBC put it during some of their summer reruns, if you haven't seen it, it's new to you. <laughs> <laughs> right. You now you're you're notorious for not watching sporting events and pro tour events, you know, e-sporting events live, right? You you like to watch stuff on delay and sort of do a social media blackout so you can't find out any results, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I want to, at some point, found the Spoiler-Free Sports Network, the SPSN, which will do things like, you tell me the average level of excitement you want your game to have and what years you want me to pull from, and I'll give you a game that fits your request. So it might be a blowout, but chances are interesting. Anyway, so here we have a brand new format, basically. A lot of cards have gone in very recently. And this is the track that the pros have at it. Yeah, and the cards that are in it, I mean, I think what's really interesting about Historic is the cards that are in the format are somewhat opaque. You know, there's cards from Jumpstart, and there's cards from Amonkhet Remastered, right? And, like, cards that we just haven't seen, you know, I've seen four packs of Jumpstart, right? And I've done a couple Jumpstart events, but, like, I, I don't have that same sense of the comprehensive list of Jumpstart that I would have when, let's say, even already for Zendikar Rising. So I don't have any idea what's <laughs> actually in Historic, right? Like I don't, I haven't tried seriously to build my own decks in Historic. But if I did, I would just unclick and have to own this card and just start flipping through, right? Do a bunch of searches, use Scryfall, try to figure it out, try to see what goes into various decks, or just copy what other people are doing, because I feel like. As a Magic player, for like almost 30 years now, we built up our institutional memory of what set every card is from and what the interesting cards are in each set and what the themes are in each set and what things can do. And Jumpstart and Amonkhet have just said, no, you're not doing that anymore. We are just going to put Wrath of God into Amonkhet because we feel like it. And that one you'll remember, but there's also 20 other cards like that that you won't. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it feels like a format that would really reward someone like Matt Nass, who, who can really find obscure comments or, or, you know, in combos or in your, in your like, deck-building prime where you were just, like, completely immersed in building decks uh, uh, on an almost daily basis. It feels like this would be a format you would really thrive in. It rewards effort, right? It rewards what we used to, we used to call it a something search when we built decks. Um, and like this, we literally go through every card in the format. This is one of the the reasons why I dominated Block Constructed. One of them was I was willing over and over again to literally look at every legal card and go, hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> right? And occasionally, right? Like I was like on a classic one of these searches. It was like me and Scott Johns, and we're sitting there, and we're like, 
we need a way to beat control with white blue with the solution deck. We didn't call that yet. And we just looked through it for the next hour. We sat there on our program going, clicking card by card, reading the, reading the card descriptions, every card in white, every card in blue in the entire format, until I saw Pure Reflection. And I hadn't given two thoughts to Pure Reflection right, at any point since it was printed. But because I was just looking at every card and going, does this solve my problem? I found it. <laughs> and when there's, when there's like 500 cards in the format, that's not that insane a thing to do. When there's thousands of cards in the format, or tens of thousands of cards in the format, because the story is getting bigger every day, every day, it's a lot harder. It's not really that realistic. So I'm curious what the pros are doing to, to allow them to do reasonable searches in this format. Presumably, if you just played Historic a lot of time, you'll have it. You develop an intuitive sense that these are just the sets now. Yeah, I, right? I mean, I've I've played a I've played a lot of Historic, and you you get to see the the combos and the cards and the things that are that are really right. powerful, you, and and you start riffing off of them. You get to see what things people are actually doing very right. easily, and then you say, okay, what are the cards people think go in these decks? And then you can do a reasonable narrow focus search for what are the things that might go in these decks. And there'll be a significant amount of like, did anyone just randomly print that card <laughs> at the last chat? No. I mean, I'd really like a Sky Diamond. Is there a Sky Diamond in the house? No? That's too bad. Yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> I, I, th I, was, I was surprised, kind of surprised about Mindstone being in the set, in the format. And Mindstone uh, Mind folded very, very well when I played Historic. Yes, me, me too. Uh, I mean, I still had Deferi 3 at the time, but the ability to Wrath on turn 3 against a lot of these decks um, was, was really a, a big deal. Like, turn 4 wasn't fast enough. But you Wrath know, you, on, especially going second, Wrath on turn 3 without throwing a creature away to do it. Right? We've all wrapped off a Paradise Druid, but we're sad. Right, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, you know, storing, storing a card on the table for later and Wrathing. It, yeah, is uh, was was pretty exciting. So um, the big the big card, the big story of this historic format has been uh, Muxus Goblin Grandy. This is this is the card that has um, seized the biggest uh, piece of the metagame. Uh, Twenty percent of the field is playing mono red goblins built around it, and this is a deck that looks a lot like you know early two thousands goblin decks. Um, and then another roughly 14% um, is made up of Rakdos goblins, which is goblins with Thoughtseize. <laughs> and the question is, are you willing to pay an average of about three life to Thoughtseize someone? Yes. Right? That's basically just the question here. Because the meta base is not very, is a little bit painful, but otherwise essentially free. And there's basically not very many other black cards that you want to have at all, as far as I can tell. The black is going to be a little bit light, and the black is otherwise pretty low value. So yes, I can think of other cards to have. Maybe you want more than four discard cards. Maybe you come up with something I haven't thought about. Yeah, I don't think until they print Patriarch's bidding, I don't think we have that many other things to, to worry about here. So <laughs> my guess is that it's just the one card. So effectively, a third of the field is built around Muxus. I think that's a reasonable way to put it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I do I do think that the the so I've played a lot of Sultai uh, in Historic, and you would think that Thoughtseize might be a, a dangerous card against those dots. Your instinct is, my opponent's playing this red, you know, red deck with a lot of 
hasty creatures. Thoughtseize is going to be pretty brutal for me. But you you know they're 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 really playing a combo deck these goblin decks, and thought seizing a muxus is often backbreaking. They don't have uh, a ton of ways to really dig through their deck. So, in my observations, there was a lot of variation in how people actually built the goblin deck, and that variation mattered a lot as to how you wanted to attack it. Some sure. people would be playing basically. I am playing an aggro deck that also has Muxus in it. And if I draw Muxus and play Muxus, I win the game because Muxus wins the game, but I'm not gonna get obsessed over it. I'm not gonna play Goblin Matrons. I'm not gonna play lots of extra acceleration points. I'm not gonna get ringleaders into the main deck. I'm not gonna obsess over this thing, but occasionally I'll just randomly win the game so you can never tap out. And you always have to worry about this and I'll get random wins regardless. Well, let's, they- let's let's look at Autumn's list. Autumn Burchett is playing mono red goblins in this tournament, and uh, you know we we can take a look at you know what they've done. And, and this and this Castle Embereth to me feels like you know you're saying like, yep, I'm going to get some aggro wins. I, I'm just going to go you know goblin into um, you know make two goblins with with my next turn, and then I'm going to just you know, war chief you or do something and and get in there. I, I, you know, actually, I'm looking. You get a certain amount of basically free action when you play right. one of these decks because you have so many mountains you want to play anyway. The castle emperors are almost free. The fourth one's missing, which shows that it's not quite free. You can't just do this, but the first three are pretty free. And two Phyrexian Towers to get you to six mountain, basically. Right. So you can, yeah. right. That gives you, gives you a second source. If You know, if you don't draw a Skirk Prospector... Uh, that's a second. This is a second way for you to ramp your mana and get an early Moxus, which I think right. is super important development in these decks. So when I look at this list, what I see is Autumn is definitely doing the thing I was describing, which is building a deck that doesn't need its planet. So you look at you see like four Krenkos in this list, for example. Yeah, which is you know you have the four Snoops, you have. Very little in the way of like sustain, kind of like ringleader in terms of just sustaining the massive goblins. It's more, I am going to deploy stuff that makes you cry for a while. And if you deal with all of it, good job. Right? And therefore, a thought sees on Autumn is pretty strong. Because there's a decent chance that Autumn has here are some random small goblins and here are my two big things or even my one right. big thing. You take one of the big things away, the whole new ballgame. Right. Or you wrath after you, you know, you wrath in some form after you thought saves them, and now you're fine. Right. I, I think the thing that's um, surprising to me about the list from Autumn is I'm not seeing any goblin instigators. I think you are correct. I do not see an instigator. So, so you can't go, uh, I mean, you can still go um, prospector into um, Wily Goblin, into turn three, three Muxus, but it's just, uh, the, inst- the instigator has been pretty common in a lot of the lists I've seen, but I think it's... Uh, I've been mostly disappointed by it. Yeah. Instigator, when I saw it, basically seems to me like this card is only good with Prospector. Right? I mean, it's, it's fine with Krenko, obviously, and, and, and so on. If you get your thing going... But it's only good if I'm getting if I've got my thing working. 
And if I think it's working, I don't need it. Was basically my attitude. So I am very much a fan of not working that hard to get a bunch of goblins. Like you're gonna get a bunch of goblins. That's not your problem. That was never gonna be your problem. Right. Yeah. So like I'm a reasonably bullish on this type of list. It's gonna have certain weaknesses, obviously. Um, I haven't touched the mirror. And to me, like the mirror is the thing that matters most because again, a third of the field is goblins. The goblin decks that can get their muxes deployed safely first are gonna win the mirror, I have to assume. The question is, who are those who are those goblin decks? Right? How do you build around that problem? You know, can you win the can you can you win a game in the mirror by doing work to go find your muxus? Or is that too slow? That right. you lose because you can turn off. I don't know. But Autumn's clearly making the statement, you can't take that turn off, right? Not in this format. Right. Now, the, the, the counter to this has been the, the, the Rakdos Goblins, which is essentially, you know, uh, the Goblins deck with, in, in the case of Louis Samuel de, Del Tor, um, three Thoughtseize. <laughs> Yes, Calcano has the exact same thing. Three, right, very, very similar list. The four points uh, on the sideboard, let's be fair. Yes. Right? Um, but otherwise, it's, yeah, you basically just say, I'm going to trim some of these cards. Uh, so Del Tor has the Matrix. That's the interest, that, that's the this vision I was talking about, right? You're right. looking at Del Tor's list, and the three Matrons basically say, I'm going to thought season away your big card. I'm going to use Matron to make sure I find my big card because only the okay. big card matters. Autumn also has Matron. Autumn has four Matrons. Oh, somehow I thought she didn't. I thought, yeah. I thought, I thought, I thought they didn't. Um, that's weird. Okay. Uh, all right. So everyone has the Matron. So yeah, there was yeah. definitely people I was seeing that didn't have Matron uh, before. Yeah, these lists are hard to read for whatever reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So and yeah. everything says Goblin something. So it's... <laughs> Uh, well, that's why I yeah. wasn't sure about the instigator. I, I checked the list three times, but it, it looks like the instigator like, has just moved out of the deck. If it's all about muxus, then it's all about matrons, and you have eight instigators. And you see, I mean, you have eight muxus, and then you have four crankos as sort of your backup right. plan that can still overwhelm people. But then you're kind of yeah, you're kind of you're kind of out of gas at that point, right? So foxies can definitely have a big impact. Right. You you actually have like slightly more than four crankos. Because if there's a Krenko on top of your deck with Conspicuous Snoop, you uh, can activate Conspicuous Snoop as a Krenko. So it, it ends up being like, I don't know, I would call it like 4.75 Krenkos. Yeah, that, that makes me excited also to just maybe find a way to shuffle my, uh, my library or put something on top instead of drawing it. But, you know, it doesn't seem like there's anything like that that's appealing. Right, right. So, I mean, yeah, the sideboard seems... Snoop, yeah. you do get to just dig. You know, sometimes you can just rip through a, a pile of goblins playing them off the top of your library. Oh yeah, the deck has a lot of different ways to do its thing. And you have to put a, a solid mass of stuff that fights it to make that kind of thing stop, which is often very hard. They're, uh, they're showing uh, Hugh, William Huey Jensen's list on the stream right now, and it looks like he has the uh, three goblin instigators. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how people came to their decisions. Yeah, the second generation, he only has one matron in his deck. 
is how he's finding the room. Right. So he's just play he's just being much more straightforward. He's like, I'm just gonna get those old fashioned wins where I go turn one pr- prospector, turn two instigator, turn three, you know, lord attack for eight. Right. And those 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 are those are real games that you just overwhelm somebody sometimes. Or just turn three Krenko or turn three, you know, Lord into Krenko or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways for it to pay off. Right. So, yeah, it's just a matter of percentages, right? Like, finding out what your opponents are, what pays off more often. Uh, I worry, more than usual, that there's a cap on play skill in this format, to a large extent, in a, okay. way, uh, in a way there isn't in many other cases, because I just I don't see the Goblin Mirror having the kind of room for play that a lot of other fights do. Because when you get the, the Muxus, it's so overwhelming. Oh, if, if you get a turn three Muxus, I mean, it really, at some point, it's like the AI takes over, right? Like, you know, you, 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 either, you either hit everything and you have the world, or sometimes you miss and your opponent's able to come back. But it's not, it doesn't feel like game. I, I really dislike Muxus as a card um, pretty intensely. I it, really, it just doesn't yeah. feel like a, it doesn't feel like a you get to play a game after it. Comes yeah, out. I didn't understand when I saw it in Jumpstart what they were thinking, right? Because you've had plenty of time to experience this as a commander, experience this in a casual format. You know what the card is capable of doing, and it was clear from the set they were creating this deck. Right, right? the rest of Jumpstart was clearly enabling this deck, and I didn't understand why they thought this was good, but a lot of people enjoy it, right? A lot of people oh, sure. enjoy these huge blowout wins. That's presumably what it is. But I do worry that when we see these goblin mirrors, right? Like, is there going to be that much going on in some important sense? Or is it just going to be who won the die roll and has this slightly faster draw? I, I feel like the my my guess going forward is that the players that came to the conclusion to play Thoughtseize are going to advance at a better rate than the players who didn't. I strongly agree. I think that the players who aren't playing Thoughtseize, the aggro deck is red. But the red deck cares more about its big card than about a few points of life. Like The Goblin deck usually either will deal 30 points or less than 20, in my experience. right? It doesn't do exactly 20. It just continuously pounds you into dust, or tries to, which is a very different world to live in. So paying a little bit of life I mean, if you pay that life against Soltai, nothing happens, right? Nothing. You pay that life against Jun Sacrifice, something happens, but not very much. Like, compared to being able to thought seize away part of their engine before they can play it. Like, if you get their Mayhem Devil when they were about to drop it to the collecting company, that seems like a way better thing to do than not paying life, right? In a world that right. only costs you one mana. And so on down the line, like, I guess Bank Control, Thought Seize is your amazing card, obviously. You take their Wrath. So, what exactly are you know got against Model Black Gift? Like you take their you take their their gate away, um, their gift. It's called the gift. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking. At, I'm looking at what's out there, right? Like where are we? Not want to do this, right? Against Azorius Control, we want to do it against Kentus Combo. Maybe not because everything works from the graveyard, so it doesn't do anything. That's kind of narrow. I mean, the- 
guess there are definitely sad, but. there are definitely mono red burn decks that maybe you're you're a little leery about having a thought season. Yeah, so we're we're two percent we're two percent mono red aggro, two percent Azorius auras, two percent gruel aggro. So that six percent is going to make you sad. <laughs> that sounds like uh, a good percent, actually. <laughs> yeah, and some of the others, right? There's a bunch of others. Yeah. So like, yeah. You know, it's hard to tell. My guess is we're looking at, you know, 10% of the field makes you sad and like 70%, you know, 50 to 70% of the field makes you happy and the rest don't, you don't care. So that's a pretty good rate. Yeah, I, I can tell you that I, I've had uh, a number of decks I've tried in Historic where my my plan just collapsed to a thought seize. <laughs> right? You know, you look at your opening yeah. hand, you're like, all right, I need... I need this to happen off the top of my deck, but I think I think I can make it. I think I can make it work. And then they they just like, you know, shock themselves. Thought sees you take your key card, and like the whole thing falls apart. I it's, I, it's looked, I, I looked at thought sees twice in draft in Amonkhet, and both times all I saw was a rare wild card. <laughs> I was upset. I, I had a draft where two of them went by. But I had already crafted all four of them for uh, for a Sultai deck, so very sad. Um, yeah. Speak, speaking of Sultai, that is the uh, second highest percentage in the field um, at like about just under seventeen percent. There were twenty-seven people playing the deck. None more accomplished, I think, than Javier Dominguez, the uh, former world champion. That's who's the list I just opened, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's where you're like, I wonder what Sultai... Oh, Javier's playing Sultai. Let's see what that looks like. So I like this deck in the standard, but then they banned Grove Spiral, which I get to add back, and I get to play Thoughtseize. That's, that's, that's what I'm reading when I see this list. Um, right? This, it, this, is, this, is, this is just standard Sultai with Grove Spiral put back in and four Thoughtseizes instead of the other discard spells. And main deck Aether Gust. Yeah, they did that. They, they did that too. That's not new, right? That's yeah. No, no. I yeah. mean, that's. I'm saying it's just like standard. <laughs> yeah, I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> I mean, I look at his. I look at the sideboard here. Two grafters of cage. Two cages are listed twice. I don't know if that's because he's playing two different versions of cage. Uh, it says 17 cards, so probably okay. So probably only two cages. Accident. Yeah, probably just someone someone entered it a little too fast, but. You know, nothing in this list looks like anything but just a straight up three more Shark Typhoons to the sideboard. I wonder what the plan is. <laughs> I'm in favor of whatever it is. I just, I'm curious. <laughs> but yeah, it looks like you just, I'm here, I am here to play magic. And I'm all out of whatever the other thing I was here to do. So, <laughs> to play magic, right? I don't even, I'm not even pretend I knew what it was. I'm just here to play magic. This deck's just called No More Bubblegum. Yeah, basically, right? How, well, how do you feel about the Wrath Mix here? Two Extinction Events, one Languish. I'm skeptical that Languish isn't, isn't better. Languish seems really good to me, especially given the Goblin deck basically can't actually... Nothing survives a Languish. Right. An Extinction Event, something might survive an Extinction Event very easily. Oh, like, sure. I mean, they could just have a mix, right? And you have to pick... Yeah, so this is also one of those cases where I'm always skeptical of not investing enough slots in your 75 on your rafts. Look, you want a lot of rafts, you want the right rafts, 
And here we're not doing that work, right? We have two cryocranarium and one witch's vengeance on the board. So we have like the minus two, minus two, and the minus three, minus three on the board. There's the minus four, four, the minus four, minus four in the main, and the extension event. But we don't have very many copies of these things, right? We have one of the we have one of the three level, one of the four level, and two of the two level. Right. Which to me is not enough. Because languages are the perfect the, the, the true wrath against it's the it's the perfect wrath against goblins because you keep your Uros and potentially your uh, hydrogen crisis. And that makes it weird to me that we don't invest in at least a second copy of the sideboard. I usually want a lot of this kind of thing. That's who I am, right? That's what I want. That's who I want to be. Um, we also don't have access to extra discard. We just have the fourth hot seasons, which again surprises me from a design perspective, right? I, I would want to be thinking about uh, having thought erasures to um, you know, just keep pounding them in the right appropriate matchups, including potentially the goblin matchup, right? Because like, what you need to do in that matchup is take the big thing out of their hand and then wrath. Right. right. So like, I would want to have access to more wraths and more discard to make that plan more solid. I'm not sure what his plan actually is there. So, so I've, I've, played, I've played a fair amount of Saltai, and it feels like the plan is to just, like, one-for-one one them along the way, whether it's, like, an Essence Scatter or an Aether Gust, eliminate that, you know, Warlord, you know, kill your Skirk Prospector on sight, uh, Thought Seize your hand, uh, and then, um, you know, really clean, you know, there's no ability for that red deck to really get, other than like a goblin ringleader, which I think has been an unspectacular card for me in that deck, for them to recoup their hand. You know, so you can you can kind of like really pick them apart on a one-for-one -one basis. And then, you know, you've got Uro gaining you life and Hydroid Crisis drawing you cards. And Nissa is just a pain in the ass for them. And uh, I, I don't know, it's been... Uh, I have no I, problem I, with that as your game one plan at all. I just would right. love to do the things that I know devastate Goblin deck. Like every time I, I see a Wrath of God against the Goblin deck, I'm so happy. <laughs> yes. And language, is actually, and language is actually better than Wrath of God. In context. Right. Right. It's not just not worse. It's actually better. Yeah, I... Uh... I, I actually, I actually uh, love this deck in theory. I would, I would, I'm curious to see it in action and to see how how Javier's um, decision to play out against the field. I'm also curious how this deck plays out against the Goblin decks with Thoughtseize, right? Like, you know, I, I assume slightly worse than the decks without Thoughtseize. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, a, that's the thing. Is like against the Soul Time matchup, it has to be right to have thought scenes, right? You're basically right. paying life. It does not matter at all <laughs> yes. for approximation on both ends. In order to take the card, you, you need to take it out of their deck and their hand. So, and the information is huge too, right? They got Karmic Essence Scatter and Aether Gust and Eliminate. You gotta, know, you want to know which one they're holding, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I I like that deck. I would be, I would I would be shocked if one of those decks doesn't make it uh, into the top eight.
weekend. What what salt I deck? It's just it's I just sure it's sure. such a powerful proven commodity in in constructed, right? It's a very solid deck. They are surely aware of all of their all of their opposition that came in force. They're well aware of it. So it would be very surprising if uh, they couldn't make it happen. Yeah. If you thought that was all about what are we playing in standard these days? <laughs> I have Stan Sifka queued up if you do. <laughs> hey, I haven't flocked, but it's probably the same list. Probably the same list. <laughs> <laughs> we both checked the check house. I'm just scrolling down from the last one to look for a, a, you know, a name that's strong with the, with the right label. But yeah. <laughs> So right yes. here we have. Did you know Collected Company is legal? I did know Collected Company is legal. I try to put it into every deck. I, I, I had it in Mux Stoblins for a little while. I'm just saying that's what they're doing here, right? It's like we could play Joe Sacrifice, and did you know Collected Company is legal? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, Collected Company is uh, certainly certainly a a addition worthy of uh, highlighting. But I might I might call it collected Rakdos or something. If I yeah, there happens to be a core vault in the sideboard because you never know. Right? <laughs> core vault's done good things at arena based pro tours. The thought season in the sideboard is almost like okay. I guess we can only play it two games out of three if you really want. <laughs> it feels like this deck has one of, like these black red lists almost feel like the biggest problem to me has always been my turn one selves. My turn one is I'm going to play a cat or an oven or a tapped land. Right. And none of those are great turn ones. Not really, right? My turn two is going to be a nice turn two. And I'm going to play a Priest of Forgotten Gods. Or I'm going to play a Dreadmore Butcher. Maybe I'll play a Blood Artist, that sort of thing. My turn two is reasonably solid often. And then I have lots of three drops and stuff to start developing. But I kind of missed that first turn. I love the idea of spending thoughts, playing my first turn on Thoughtseize. That seems great. So I'm I'm a little curious why it's not main, why they only stopped at three. But uh, the checks, I trust. Right. Well, I mean, it's like basically Collected Company is in the spot that Thoughtseize would take up. Right. And you don't want to hit Thoughtseize with Collected Company because you risk not having enough creatures. So you have to make a choice. And then if Clint Thirstborn is bad, you can swap in Thoughtseize, presumably, is the right. idea. Yeah, this deck looks sweet. I would, I mean, also given the caliber, we haven't even looked fully, right? But like, I imagine then Andre Strasky, assuming he's in this tournament as well, is also playing this deck, you know, all, um, you know, premier event champions uh, of the highest level. You yeah, know, Sifka, Sifka, Flock, and uh, let's see if Strasky's playing this as well. They have a very broad range. They are willing to mix up what they play based on what they think is good almost anywhere. So it makes sense. Yeah, Strasky's on it as well. So, you know, this is, you know, right there, you know, three. I mean, we've only really talked about people who've, who've won major events so far, right? Like Autumn, Javier, um, you know, we talked a little bit about Huey briefly, but Strasky Flock and uh, Strasky Flock and uh, Sifka. I mean, you know, that's that's three of the best players to ever play the game. 
So, I mean, that's, you know, I, I, how, what would you, what would you guess as far as top eights for drug sacrifice or collected sacrifice, if you will? One. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to not say one when a crack has 13.8% of the field, right? It's, <laughs> it's got a strong number of people, but I just, I don't see it as that much stronger than its standard version. And it's up against some very strong opposition. And I don't. The, thing, the worst problem is just, I don't see how this deck actually beats Muxus on its own terms. Right? The card Muxus. Sure. Like it's right. got, if, they, if they stick a Muxus, they're probably just going to win that turn. Yeah, you, you have a bunch of different ways to try and kill Skirt Prospector. When the first board is obviously very efficient at killing Skirt Prospector. Um, it won't even resolve. That's how efficient <laughs> it is. But if you you have to finish these. You have to finish the game quick enough that they can't just Rexian Tower the thing out. Because you can't. Like only Thoughtseize is going to be able to take it out of their hand. And there's starch on the board. There's only three of them. And I presume that you're not keeping that. You're not bringing that in against the Goblin decks because you have to keep playing the Firstborn and Collective Company. So you're you're just trying to get there, like. Unmasked before they get to their thing, like you set up some sort of monstrosity engine with Mayhem Devil or something. But you have to. So I am skeptical. I mean, there was a claim on Twitter that it had no bad matchups. <laughs> you know, by Juicer or someone like that, right? You know, one of sure. those type of people. Um, in, case I just, in case it's not Juicer, but I thought it was Juicer. And I was just, you know, I believe it was Brad who fired back with flies. You know, like, completely <laughs> not true. And obviously not true. I mean, there's there's cer almost certainly multiple bad matchups for it. Uh, but, yeah, the deck is, the deck is reasonably solid. Uh, you can sort of build a good version of anything, right, in Historic. And sure. see where it takes you. And Bank Control is the is the next example of that, right? Here's, here's a deck of reasonable cards, and we're going to play them and see what happens. And there's really nothing else to say about this deck, question mark? Like, Uro Narset to Fairy, five because they banned three. Tamio, Wrath of God, Shark Typhoon, Cast Out, Search for Escanta, Growth Spiral, Sensor, Commit to Memory, and Neutralize. Sure, why not? Question mark. You know, there's nothing wrong with this list, but it just. I'm a skeptic here. It, okay. doesn't, it just doesn't feel like we're doing the same level of powering up as our competition. Right. Yeah, I don't want to. Be yeah. Me, meanwhile, meanwhile, as every time I look over at the screen, there are a hundred zombie uh, goblins on the board attacking uh, very early and often. So yeah, it, it feels like it feels like early on, you know, goblins is maybe performing better than its percentage of the field. It's often a feature of just who they happen to feature, like which two of great course. players get matched up in the third round. Right? That's the question, and, no, and are noticed by the staff. The thing that I want to note about this is, when I was playing Azorius Control, which is a very similar deck in context, in Historic, Teferi 3 was super, super important for the Goblin matchup. Yes. In particular, because it's plus one, was vitally important, right? You could get into situations where you could plus one and sit on a wrath, 
right? Let's get out of this guy, which is Wrath. Right. And then if they tried to mux us, you got them. Yeah. Because <laughs> right? nothing they do with Muxus actually matters until they attack. And you oh. know this. So you can just let it resolve. I mean, you're oh, a little no. afraid of ringleaders coming up, but like they don't come up that often. They're usually not very many in the duck. Right. And you're just, okay, you do that. I'm going to Wrath. Or if you don't, Muxus, I'll Wrath end step and take up a few damage and untap with nothing on the board. So either way, I got you. Now, if you can't do that, even though Wrath of God is a huge upgrade over Shadow of the Sky, you know, you're giving people random, randomly give people cards. It's kind of a nice thing. But you lose so much back to theory, right? You lose so much flexibility, so many, so many just ways to just be able to answer whatever ails you. Right. Which, which, players, which players list are you looking at right now? Uh, David Astrand. Okay, I, I was looking at Yuta Takahashi's. Yeah. We're, we're looking at the, the bank control decks. Yeah, yeah. I just picked yeah. one. I didn't see yeah. a name that stood out to me too much, so I just looked like, okay, let's pick one. Um, there appears to be a bug about Grafdigger's Cage, by the way. It's listed twice here as well. Oh, okay. It's yeah. probably just the display of the website, not anything that the player did. Right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm sure. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's either uh, a, an entry error or some sort of uh, yeah. bug in the in the. I would say the ex there's two excludes at the sideboard. That sort of tells you everything about where this person's head's at. <laughs> right, you want to exclude a rest scatter? Like you just, I, I'm just going to just grind you into oblivion. I'm not in a rush. I can do this all day. It's fine. He has two essence, two essence scatters and two exclusions on the board. So just, I don't need to be that cheap. I can afford to spread myself around. Uh, how, how do you feel about sensor? I think it's really good because it's kind of a free action, right? Like it's very easy to cycle. You've got search press Kanta in your deck, although only one. And it's sort of, if it's good, it's really good. And if it's bad, it's not that bad. It also gives you control over your mana, right? Like Sensor, in the matchups where Sensor's going to go dead because Popeware is going to play land forever, it lets you have more land, you cycle it. In the matchups where you need something fast, you don't care about having that much land in your deck, it's a spell. It just counters whatever. So I'm a fan. I'm a little worried about not having enough Dovin's Veto. So there's only one Dovin's Veto in this list. That card so, seems to... So let's take, take a look at Yuta Takahashi's list, because Yuta is uh, a, a really well-known, accomplished control player and, and, and one, one of the really great Japanese deck builders. Um, great deck builders. I mean, no, no need to qualify that. But Oh, bank control, uh, right? Yep. It's not coming up on my search for some reason. Yeah, I, I just had to scroll down to Takahashi. Yeah, okay. It's just randomly missed, like, not... Control-F isn't working. Yeah, mind. yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, here it is. Yeah, it just, it just didn't find it for no reason. All right. So, yeah. Uh, the only Planeswalker is Teferi. That's interesting. Narset's been good to me. Uh, but I can believe it. It makes a certain amount of sense. Like, the Goblin deck just ignores Narset, right? To its peril, though. Like, it's that, that's eight digs for Wrath. Sure. Right? Like when, I, when I play Narset and my opponent ignores it, I'm like, okay. I respect that you don't care that it's there, but that's okay, too. <laughs> uh, or Shark Typhoon is... Uh... Three Sphinxes Revelation is the big thing, right? There is yeah. no revelations in the other list. So we're going deep and long. Yeah, this, this list is sweet. Yeah, again, I, I, the thing that surprises me about these lists, just again, having played the Azorius list, is that inability to wrath on turn three. 
We have growth is, spiral. Is, is, oh, yeah, I guess you growth spiral into it. Yeah, sure. So right. you know, we have turn four shark typhoon into turn five Sphinx's revelation, right? Is the plan? <laughs> yeah, all right, you're right. Yeah, it's a very fun, good stuffy deck. I can definitely see myself playing it. I'm a little um, skeptical about Tales End as a main deck card right now. Like, it used to have a good role to play because of the uh, Field of the Dead decks. Had a lot of cards that couldn't be stopped other ways. I don't right. think it's doing that much right now. I'd much rather just have another copy of Sensor. Right. Well, I mean, I guess this just hard counters... Or Dogen's uh, Veto. Muxus, yeah. doesn't it? It counters... I mean, it turns Muxus into a 4-4. Four, four. Or it counters yeah, it Legendary counters, Spell. It yeah. counters Legendary Spell, yeah. Yeah, it, it does. As would... And scatter in its place. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> I just, I'd rather, you know, if you, and I didn't have to censor. It could be Ethan Scatter, it could be Aether Gust. Right. You know, it could be any number of things. I don't know. This, this sideboard's different, too. He's got Eld, Elder Gargoth to mix it up a little bit. And the man probably scores it fine. It's only one. Four baffling ends. Someone knows what they want. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen a lot of baffling end on, uh, in the in the latter of late, I, I've run into a lot of that card. Yeah, Gargaroth. I don't. I don't know. Gargaroth often does just end the game when it comes out. Effectively, your opponent just knows they can't win. But right. I'm sure a lot of these simpler cards. I don't know. I'm old school. I want my Liridon. I want my Liridon. I want my yeah. You know, my my uh. Your base layer angel, whatever yeah. flavor of base layer angel it is. I mean, yeah, I have Bane Slayers, but, you know, shrug. So. I'm looking for a mono black uh, gift deck now, which is the next deck in the, uh, so Zachary Keeney is playing it. I've got, I've got Jan uh, Brueggemann. Okay. Here, so, and there are no bad players, right? No, of course not. Right. So, so basically, two Godfires gift four gate to the etherlight gate, gate to the afterlife is the engine for this deck. Yes. Uh, the card that's really exciting to see getting played here is Crypt Breaker. We're back. I mean, so we don't have that many zombies necessarily yeah. by default. Well, you can just make them. <laughs> can you'd rather not? But it gives you a discard outlet, which is important. And you can't have, you can start drawing cards. Yeah, I've never actually seen this before, so I'm trying to figure out how it comes together. And I obviously see what it's trying to do. You, know, you use your your fiend artisans and your your suppliers and your crypt breakers to pile into your graveyard, so you can do your thing. So you sacrifice your gate to the afterlife, you get your god pharaoh's gift, and then a masker worm comes back and does a huge amount of damage to your opponent or a ravenous chupacabra or, you know, something else. I mean, there's a lot of combo-y versions of gate to the afterlife floating around in the in the queues, but that that's not quite what this one is. This one's a little more straightforward. Yeah, you're just playing magic. And have Gift of the Afterlife. Fiend Artisan, 
lets you do lots of you know very straightforward, powerful things. You know, this that much, yeah, this almost seems for. quaint now. In, in the in the you know, <laughs> it's like oh how cute. Yeah, <laughs> bringing back a massacre worm, adorable. I mean, I'm in favor of it. It just yeah, it doesn't seem like it's that that big a deal in some sense. So, I mean, yeah. is it is it that the you know that this deck sort of comes in at an angle that doesn't get attacked well? by the other decks? There's definitely a nobody else is paying much attention to this aspect to it. Like, Grafdigger's K doesn't actually stop God Pharaoh's Gift. Right. So, what, what, what little hate there would be for a graveyard strategy isn't there. Right. Right. Leyline is really your best answer, which you see three of them in Zachary Kini's sideboard. Oh, so sure. If you, if you, clearly ready for the mirror. Jan has four. <laughs> you know, four thoughts, he's four ley line. Okay, I need, I need seven more cards because technically I'm supposed to play 15. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> but we all know the sideboard's done, right? That, that's, that's all that matters. So, yeah, I guess I'll play like, oh, and a Graph Digger's Cage, you know, just to have five. Like, and a Massacre Worm and a Massacre Girl. And, you know, <laughs> pretty much a Massacre, that's what we're saying. So yeah, I definitely not where I would want to be, personally, in this format. It doesn't feel like it's going to be as powerful slash consistent as some of the other stuff. I mean, we're, worth pointing out, by the way, that, you know, we talked about Zachary Keeney, we talked about the player you're talking about, but a person playing this mono-black gift deck is Paulo Vitor Damodorosa. That makes me wonder, right? Like, <laughs> You know, basically the best player in the game. I mean, there's certainly a strong case that he is the best player. At least on Arena. So, <laughs> yeah, so certain people who won't touch Arena don't count, right? So, um, <laughs> so yeah, four Ravage Chupacabra in Paul's list, which was only one in the list I was looking at. That's an interesting disagreement. I think, I think that this list is. I'm sad about not having. I'm sad about the same as Zachary Keeney's list. I'm sad about the no obliterator because, like, there's nothing better, right, than things like I attack you. Okay, I told Darzan up my obliterator and I block. (laughs) (laughs) Just cool stuff like that. But yeah, there's a lot to like about the details of this list. I guess my worry is just okay when the set gets thought seized, what happens? Right, I just take the gate out of your hand. Right. Now, what do you do? Are you just playing a bad mono black deck? Like it's a bunch of very clunky cards. It feels like I am. So I would, I would definitely be concerned. But yeah, it's definitely been a number of times when you know someone like Paulo has been playing a deck, and it's like, oh, oh. Okay, it must be good. I mean, it's not the best. Like, it's clearly not as bad as I thought it was, because otherwise they would be playing it. Like, they just certain players just don't make that kind of mistake. They'll play a deck that's just not the best, but they'll never make a like, huge mistake. They're very committed to being solid. Right. It's always interesting to me too. Like, people will will choose a deck expecting something to happen 
with the field. And the deck can look wrong, but that's only because they they missed something in how the format may have gone. Right? Like in what the field did. Absolutely. I've always felt like that wasn't where I wanted to be. Like just pretty much flat out ever. Right? I don't want to be on the list that's counting on the thing I expect to happen. Unless I know, and I mean know that has happened. Right. I mean, I brought the solution to a pro tour and won it. So obviously sometimes <laughs> I know what I'm expecting. But that's, but that's such a small card pool that you can make some very, very educated guesses about. If it was completely obvious that none, none of the natural decks were, any, were non-red, right? That was just obvious. Like, there's nothing you can do. These cards are just better. So we just knew they had no choice. And obviously sometimes like, okay, Oko is just going to be everywhere. I guess we just do whatever's good against Oko or, or whatnot. But yeah, when in doubt, I don't want to be caught on the, the field better look surprising and like I think it is. It feels like the field looks completely predictably exactly like everyone thought it was going to be. That's different, right? Oh, look, there's right. a lot of rebels in this format. Okay, yeah, I guess I'd be ready, better be ready for that. So being prepared for goblins in this in this format, right, wouldn't strike me as that that risky. Right. Everybody knows, right? So if you're like, okay, I need there to be a lot of goblins, because that's the deck is good against, that's perfectly alright. Yeah, I, I hope I'm I'm looking forward to them putting Paulo on camera. I'm curious, I'm excited to watch him play the deck. Um, but only, and only six people on that deck, so we're we're really getting down now to the you know the the single dig, low single digits uh, of these decks. You know you're not gonna you're not gonna see very many. the The next archetype is Rakdos Arcanist, which I'm shocked that there's this little of the deck in the field, given how much you see of it online. This deck is everywhere on Magic Arena. In, in the historic queues. I you can play against this four or five rounds in a row very easily. It is it is a super popular deck. Uh, Mateus Leverado, uh, the mythic uh, champion, uh, is playing it. So uh, it is a very complicated deck to play. It is it is very uh, mechanical, which makes sense that we see Leverado playing it. We've seen him do you know stuff with um, Wilderness Reclamation and, and, and fairly mechanically click-intensive decks uh, in the past. So, um, it's actually my but, first time seeing it, and it all makes sense to me. <laughs> but yeah, let's do this. Great. Uh, vessel, really? Claim, claim oh. to fame is, is a... Yeah, one Archie's Vessel is, is really interesting. Um, claim to fame has been just a powerhouse card in this format. I, uh, I this. saw that as like, it says three claim to first board, and then it says four claim because the, the, <laughs> the other thing is broke. And I saw that I'm like, oh god, another typo. Like, just how, I, I actually added up the number of cards in the deck to make sure it wasn't just 64. And then I was like, is this real? And I looked, it's like, oh, it's a split card. I guess I better read it. And then I read it. <laughs> and it's like, huh. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is one of the big big additions to the format from Amonkhet Remastered. 
and uh, it does it does a lot of work. Um, you know, we really get to see uh, so, some cool stuff happening here. Um, interestingly, what we're not seeing... Oh, there it is. Dreadhorde Arcanist. Yeah. I was confusing that with Dreadhorde Butcher for a second, but Dread, Dreadhorde Arcanist. Uh, it's a card uh, Alan Comer, who we work with, had, likes a lot in Standard right now. Has played played some some pretty crazy brews with it. But, you know, you... If you like forethought seasons, you should try eight of them, you know, or claim the firstborns or, or claims or spark harvests or village rights, or, you know, you get to, you get to do all sorts of some cool stuff with the deck. And this, this is, this is the best crux of deck uh, I've seen so far. There's a lot to like here. I, I'm kind of worried about sort of that there's not being quite enough payoff in this build. Just based on my experience of similar decks, it just feels like it's prone to run out of like meaningful steam too it, often. It, it feels that way, but I've never seen it happen. Like, <gasps> like when this deck gets going, um, it it just it just grinds you to death um, really quickly. Yeah, like only one castle lock thing is like, yeah, I'm okay. Don't you worry <laughs> about me. <laughs> I have not I have not seen this deck in action very much against goblins, which is I think what I would obviously be most uh, most concerned about. But right, I feel like you might be playing small ball, right? You're trying to like <laughs> continuously grind out advantage, and like oh look, I got an extra one one, and then I sacrificed for two cards, and then I got to do this, and I got to do that, and look at me casting factors twice, and blah blah, blah. and then at some point there's like Muxus, you're like oh. Huh. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, this this is a great thought seize deck. Again, if they're not worried about their life total very much, they can they can do a fair amount of thought seizing. Right, you can, and, thought seize, uh, you can cast thought seize like more than twice as often as your next nearest rival, right? Because you're milling it and then you're casting it out of the graveyard and you're casting it from your hand and then casting it again, and you're village rising, you're extra cards. So like, you can draw a lot, you can draw you play a lot of thought seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um Spark Harvest, pretty pretty interesting card. Also, with uh, Dreadhorde Arcanist. I always find it interesting things like having Spark Harvest, but like only two, and then not boarding the other two. Right? Because like it sort of feels like a kind of card that, like, when it's good, it's great. Right. Right. Like if you if you know you're where you want where you want this card, I'm I'm thrilled. Other places, it's pretty terrible. And so I'm surprised that we're just stuck at two, but. Maybe there are more important things that just are more important. Like, I love having access to duress, right? Like, just having General Arcanus with duress and Thoughtseize just seems great, right? That just seems right. awesome. Yeah. Just young Pyromancer, General Arcanus, like, rip apart your hand. Life is good. Yeah. Croxa, rip apart your hand. Uh, yeah. Eventually, you'll get Loris. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but again, there's no, there's, you know, basically, you're all in on the disruption plan against goblins, right? Yeah, you, you have to break up their thing. Like, if they get their thing going, they win. You don't really have a way to come back from it. Yeah. And, and we haven't mentioned it yet, but obviously this is this is a Luris deck. So this is, you know... Yeah. You're uh, playing against them as Witch's Vengeance. Like, you just want to kill all goblins. Hey, baby, want to kill all goblins? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 
you know, just, but I, 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 so how do you feel about that? Do you, when you're going into a tournament and you know, God, everyone knew Goblins was going to be the number one archetype. I think people expected it to be a bigger percentage of the metagame than it even ended up being. Uh, based yeah, the on the polling data said they expected more. So do you, are you fine not having like a, a, a main deck way to mop up the board? Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a classic mistake. That's why we play three. <laughs> yeah, maybe four. Not not maybe three in this case, but I think it's a classic mistake to have the fear to say I need to have some answer main deck or some answer in general to X. Right? That's not my game plan. Yeah, sometimes that would be the best thing, but I have to accept that you know life is not about being safe all the time. It's not about having an answer to everything in case I randomly draw it. Right? Some games you won't draw the answer if you have it, so you've already accepted that you're going to play a lot of games without it. It's not that different to not play a solution. And it's different if you're tutoring through your deck or you're drawing lots of nice cards. You're like, I want to find my way to build my way to my one copy of X. But this deck doesn't do enough of that to make that right. like a serious consideration in my mind. Uh, by the way, Matt Nass also on Mono Black Gift as I was scrolling around. That makes uh, sense, yeah. I was looking for the Azorius control decks, and I just naturally went to Nasif. That's right, though, yeah. Oh, he's playing Jun Sacrifice. <laughs> that's a really bad sign for the Azorius control players. I do not want to be... That's the thing is, like, if I was going to play Azorius control, right, I'd ask Nasif for a list, and if he didn't have one, I'd play something else. <laughs> I don't necessarily get to use his list, right? But if he doesn't give me his list, then he doesn't have a list for me. That's really bad. Right. If he says I'm keeping my list to myself, well, that's good news. That's fine. Right, right. <laughs> right. Or if he asks out too freely. <laughs> right, right, right. You don't necessarily want to like have to play exactly his list, but to check to see if the deck's any good. <laughs> so yeah, just took a beating with the Teferi ban. Yeah, I I was very happy playing this deck before the fairy ban. I, I cruised I cruised to mythic with it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't play enough games to do that, but I was clearly making good progress. And now it's just like it just feels like you're doing so much work just looking at this list. God, you have to play a set of the wreckage in place of a wrath of God. Well, so, I mean, he's kind of five. Yeah, so here a good list to look okay, at I'm is probably going to be. Yeah, oh yeah, that's where I'm at. I mean, I'm on Andrew Kenio as well. So he has everything then, that I, I've yelled at everyone to always do, which is play more than four rafts, right? I've always told everyone to play more than four rafts, and and he has done this. I am actually curious why there are no more settles in the in the in the sideboard, because I definitely want multiple settles against goblins. Right. Yeah, you certainly just don't care how many lands you give them, right? <laughs> Not very much, no. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Uh, so, like, only one ethnic scatter main, none of the board, only the one excluded in the board. Two blink of an eye main is interesting. Yeah, one took his revelation. I like that. One disdainful stroke is interesting. One commit to memory. I guess he may be needing to play one commit to memory because you might actually not be able to win the game because you're playing a Cuneo build. <laughs> you're playing, like, all you have is four Teferis and. One cast and, and two castle Veils and some shark typhoons. So like weird things can happen. Let's be you know, stay safe, kids. <laughs> I like how we reduced the, the second cost of our trium from three to two by replacing the theory in farmland. 
Right, we used to just play irrigated farmland, but it cost us three to cycle it. Now we have to play it for two cycle it. Right. <laughs> Coming soon, we just get to play a fetch land that doesn't cost us anything. Right. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm gonna call the fetch lands, even though we don't actually fetch anything. I don't care what they're. I, they're buying. They're modal cards. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. They're fetch lands. Right. Shut up. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I, you know, we talked again about that that ability to, on the draw, you know, have a turn three wrath against, uh, you know, a deck like goblins that is probably going to be able to kill you on turn four otherwise. Yeah, also we have to hear it at Windless, right? We can just take a hero out of the board when we're done. Like, when we're sure, yeah, yeah, this is another this is another companion deck. It's got it's the hero, the orphan guard. If we weren't going to play anything anyways, we might as well spend this armor slot and make a hero. Like, it doesn't cost us anything. Like, I think that Nassif might have just forgot to put Kahira in his sideboard back when we were playing the deck. I think it was legal, and we just never thought about it. Fair. <laughs> Definitely worth a sideboard slot to have it act, to have it available. So. So, you know, that, that you know, we're down to four copies of Azorius Control. Uh, what, what are the other decks that are, that are interesting to you? If you look below the, the leaderboard, there's a bunch of one of's in here as well. Vance Spirits, Teamer Midrange, Jund Aggro. Uh, here's Le here's Levy with Gruel Aggro. Let's look at that. Gruel Aggro, which is, I'm seeing that on camera right Ronus now. Ronus the Indomitable. Only two Pelt Collectors. Our, our cards are too good. <laughs> I, I should go ahead and say bullshit. That's a mistake. Like, I look at this list and I am so confused by the number two over there. Like, there is no other one drop in this list, except for that and Love Shark Beasts back uh, front end and Lenore Elves. But like, that's not enough. Like, come on, haven't we played these, these decks enough? You need more. Also, only two Evercleaves. Like, why does like, someone tell me about Love me and ask him why he doesn't believe in the cleave? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there's obviously a lot of different things to choose from, right? Like, it's your deck is packed. But like, I, I don't know. Four Robber of the Rich, really. Right, like in a deck full, in a format full of goblins. Like I stole your goblin. Oh no. <laughs> or like a Kendra, maybe. Kendra is, is 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 more interesting to me, right? I had the, I had the two drop pacer. Yeah. I like the back end of that. Uh, to go with the bunker giant, you know, left strike beast, like this general, like be able to kind of grind them up plan. I don't know. Uh, the list just looks not good enough, honestly. When I look at it. Not powerful enough. You know, we're, we're skipping on Berkeley's. We shouldn't be. I don't know. I'm just not. I'm not I, I, like, I like the rampaging Ferocidon plan for after sideboard against the Goblin Nets. I mean, I'm all for spending sideboard slots on that because, like, you need to be able to keep your main plan going, right? So. Like, this is the most straightforward sideboard we've seen uh, looking through these decks so far, right? It knows who we want. He knows who he wants to be, and he's going to be that person. <laughs> I've got something for the white and blue decks. I've got something for the black decks. I've got something for the goblin decks. I've got something for the artifact decks. Yeah, yeah, I'm not feeling it. I yeah, I don't think this deck comes out powerfully enough. Like when it gets its Lenore Elves, doesn't do that much with. Doesn't do enough with it. When it doesn't get Lenore Elves, it's probably just casting a one-one on turn one. It's going to stay a one-one. Like yuck. Yeah, it's not like this is this isn't obviously better than my modern green deck from standard. Right? That's my worry. 
Right. Like, well, it's. I mean, there is a there is a mono green aggro deck in the field here. I don't know who's playing it. Not that in the field. We should be able to find them. Yeah, we're just scrolling through the wizard page. We can't actually control F somehow. I don't understand. It's this. not working. I can I, I search for mono and I can't search for mono green, even though looking on the page I see a mono green planeswalker deck literally staring at me. Joao uh Andrade. I'm gonna take a look at this. What's going on? So it's four Nisses, four Nisses of Fives, four Vivian Fours, four Karn the Great Creator, four Leyline of Abundance. So we've got the Gilded Goose, the Paradise Druid, the Lenor Elves, the Lenor Visionary, the Incubation Druids. We're just like, just green men or ramp, ramp, ramp. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like someone threw away their shot, honestly, looking at this list. I just know. It's just not competitive. It's not doing things that are relevant. I found your, I found your mono green aggro list. It's Victor Gillum. G U I L L E M. G U I. I mean, they're alphabetical, so easy enough to find now. Yeah, Victor. I see it. All right. So, Ronus the Indomitable. I like that card a lot. Yeah, this is this is a card that was not available in the standard versions of this. Deck. I got surprised that Yorvo makes the cut when Ronus is available, just because there's so many three drops now. All of a sudden, I guess just legend legendary split. You know, you want a little bit of both. Maybe resilient Kendra is strong. Uh, three Pell Collectors. People shaving Pell Collectors is always weird to me. Yeah, but still, champion just seems, like, better than your vote to me. Like, just, see, the, the ability to have five power to start with and then just get through chumpy, chumpy goblins. Because your vote just gets chumped off by, like, random goblins all day, right? Right, format? yes. Yeah. Well, you know, this also, yeah, four, four Steel Leaf Champions as well here. Right, so this feels like it's taking good advantage of when it draws a Lenore Elf, which I like. I again feel like there's not enough of a backup plan if you don't draw one or off. But and I hate Master, Vivian Monster's Advocate. I don't understand why that card is good. <laughs> like, how, do, how do you feel about Barkhart Troll in Historic? There's got to be a better way. right? It, it can't be the best thing you can do, can it? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, was, I, was, I was definitely surprised to see it make the translation from Standard to Historic. And it's two out of three, three with upside. It's not anything like the worst card, but yeah. Again, this doesn't. This deck does not feel like it's good enough. I'm like just looking at it. It's basically just the standard deck with Lanor Elves, right? And I like Lanor Elves, but not this much. Yeah, I mean, it feel it feels like uh, I I kind of wonder. Don't you if you want more than one great engine in a deck like this? Like that feels like the card that you're just gonna write that you're just gonna sort of explode. I think you might well because I'm looking at it. You got Love Struck Beast and Ronus and Stilius Champion to set up the turn three Great Henge off of the line or off. That's a lot. But again, my worry is always going to be: Am I doing things that are relevant against goblins? Right? If I play this Great Henge, am I just spending time I don't have to spend? Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Only one great hand seems like it's at least one. It's one short. Right. Like maybe yeah, well, how, how, is, how is this deck... Beat, does this deck beat goblins? I mean, you've played a lot of mono green in, in standard. Can, can this deck just, like, out 
race goblins? Or does it just is it really just hoping to dodge goblins? This list has problems. Like it has like we had questing beast, which can punch through a big wall of random stuff. We had um Jam Razor to also punch through a bunch of random stuff. You know, we had a lot of trample, right? We had uh, serpents as well, storm coils. Right. And we have Stewie Champion here, but not much else. Like Stewie Champion and Ronus are the ways that we actually punch through, and and Vivian our Pro Ranger. Because that's a little bit, but yeah, I'd be pretty worried that without Lenore Elves, you're just never gonna be fast enough to beat a goblin deck that has this thing. You're already powerful enough to beat the goblin deck once it goes off, so. Yeah, color me skeptical. Yeah. I don't buy it. Any any other archetypes jump out at you? Let, let's let's talk about, let's look at Ben Stark's list, because I really want I he he left a not so subtle clue as to what he was playing yesterday when he said something about fogging. I mean, I'm and the one you call when someone starts fogging, right? Right. <laughs> So yeah, Bant Turbo Fog from Ben Stark. So it's this, an Oro deck. Two Oro. Seven, first of all, there's only seven fogs in this deck. It's not that many. So four Haze of Pollen, three Root Snare. So you got basically a couple rafts, a couple. So only two rafts. I am interested in what he's selling, if it can be good, because <laughs> goblins literally can't kill you without the attack stuff. Right? They don't have anything. No, they, there's no goblin sharpshooter. There's no, uh, you know, gem, gem palm incinerator. Can't go to the face. So if we can make this happen, we do win. Which is an important thing to keep in mind. If we get there, we win. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I would never, never, ever, ever, ever register this about four rafts between deck and sideboard, right? The third one's on the board, the fourth isn't. I would never be that person. <laughs> I don't mind any of the cards on the sideboard particularly, just one of them needs to be a second wrath. Right. Uh, and then we can talk about what else we may or may not want. I'm also very curious why the fourth root scenario is not on the sideboard, right? Same principle. Like, when I play these decks, it's more like, like, I always feel like finding critical mass of the key thing is the only thing that matters in half the matchups. So once you know that the cards aren't useless, you want to maximize how many you have. The number you have when you think they might be useless can't be the number you want in the other half of the matchups. Right? It has to be a different number. Is my perspective. Yeah, I just typed into chat, book, put Ben Stark on coverage, you cowards. <laughs> I want to I see the second action. <laughs> it, should be the, it should be the time, the, the, the what do they call it? The, the, the time, time walk match? match? Yeah. Yes. Maybe the time stretch match. <laughs> oh, no, he's not, he's not going that deep. Yeah. Boy, this, boy, this deck wants a nexus of fate. Yeah. I'm looking at this mana sources. All right. Uh, I don't think there's enough second lands. So just add a detail. He has three, I believe, lands that cycle in this deck. And I want to see... One scattered groves, two irrigated farmlands. Yeah. And I want to see, like, seven or nine. Right? Oh. I want it to be... Because once I get there, 
the only thing that mattered is maintaining the velocity of card draw, right? So I can keep the thing going. And I really, really, really want to be able to do that. I also really need to be able to actively search for a scanta. Like, I need to be able to flip it. And that's a great way to start flipping search for a scanta. I also don't see anything in the way of um, sensors either, right? No sensors, no ops, no. Like, three searches makes me really want to be able to fill up my graveyard. And I don't see good ways to fill up your graveyard with this with list. I only see explore. There's two, only two explorers. I guess you could say, you know, extra explorers instead of those cards. But again, like two explorer, two Uro is like, hey, yeah, I don't need this Uro. Come on. Like technically I need one to win with, I guess, or something. Like once I deferry Hero of Dominaria, weigh all your permanents, I need an Uro to kill you with. And so I play two just in case they like scavenging use the first one. Well, that's not going nuts. Because I assume what's going on here. He actually doesn't want to play Uro. But it feels like it's the easiest one. It's the best win condition to sneak into the deck. So there's two rows as a way to win. So you, know, you talked about cycling lands that you want. You Are you aware that Tranquil Thicket, Lonely Sandbar, and Secluded Step are all legal in Historic? I'm aware. I'm not going to say I want those over cards that cost two or three cycle. Sure. Okay. To make sure my mana is good. I have to play the deck to know how good my mana needs to be. Right? Because... Right now, there's seven basic lands. I could probably only have six. I don't necessarily want to go less than six, because I have four field of passage, and I want to keep them. Right. So I have to replace dual lands. If these new lands, I don't think we want to replace them with basic lands. Right. right. right? Yeah, you still need your lands to do work once they're in play. Right. Uh, yeah, again, Gar again uh, Gargaroth over Baneslayer Angel. People just come to a consensus. Maybe they're right. I don't know. Just makes me sad. <laughs> A much better fog creature, right? Like if you go Baneslayer Angel, attack for five, gain five life, they attack you back, you fog. You're just so happy. Right, right. Whereas if you have Gargaroth, like you can't really do much with the fog. You get to block and draw a card off the block, I guess, and then fog, you draw a card, you're happy, but sure. Doesn't seem doesn't it's not the magic for me, you know? <laughs> so I'm just looking at it, and the idea is just classical to fairy, search for us, Canton, Narset. Just keep finding ways to make this work. And then commit to memory to, to shuffle up and draw new blocks. Yeah, but, I think, my, my, my guess is if you get to that point, you probably don't need to draw. You know, you'll have taken control of the game. There will probably be these number of games where you have to just draw seven at some point and hope it was <laughs> seven. And hope one of those seven is one of your seven blocks. Right? And then if one of the seven is one of the seven blocks, you probably die. But if they are, you're you won the game basically because you get to re reload from there. You've gotten a lot of land out of your deck. You've actually only like forty five cards or something. There are seven left, so you're you're a significant favorite to draw one. Not a huge favorite, but a pretty strong favorite. Right, right. And it's a backup plan. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm guessing <laughs> it's not. I'm guessing this deck is god awful against a large portion of the field. I am probably going to build this deck right now and play it on the ladder. <laughs> it better be really, really good against God. I will probably add more Wrath of Gods. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's to be made. But after board, I want four Wrath of Gods and eight Fox. Right? Non-negotiable. Right. And then we'll talk. And I also want to search the format to see if, there's a, see if I can play a ninth Fox if I want to. Right. All right. 
All right, Z. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good look here uh, as day one is unfolding before us of the Mythic Invocational. Give me your, uh, give me your bold prediction. Give me, give me a bold, bold prediction for uh, top eight or winner or something uh, that we should look for on Sunday to see how we did. A lot of Rakdos Goblins. A lot of Rakdos. So, so what are you thinking in, in terms of top eight? I think on average we're seeing multiple Rakdos Goblin decks in the top eight with only 13, 14% of the field. Um, my guess is, if I had to guess, I'd say four Goblin decks, probably a 2-2 split, is my just like default outcome. And then like, you know, one, maybe two Soul Ties, a Jun Sacrifice. I think the I think the popular decks are probably mostly right. Uh, the one question I have is Azorius Arth, which we haven't talked about. Oh, sure. I mean, let's let's talk about that deck. That's a, that's a deck that, I mean, again, much like the Arcanus deck, you can you can play against this deck four, five, six times in a row. Yeah, and the deck's um, really, really impressed in the historic uh, arena open. Right? It blew the field away. To a large extent, it dominated. Right. So I'm looking at Shinsuke Hayashi's list right now. Yeah, not being able to search is annoying. Yeah. Glad you found one because I, I, my, 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 I missed that one. Here it is. Right. So I mean, this is pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, like it hasn't improved, and a lot of its rivals have improved, which is presumably why it's not good enough anymore. Hasn't improved much, if at all. But it was just so strong, and. Some cards got banned too. Like it's opponents didn't just get better. <laughs> so uh, three Hushbringer, four Core Spirit Dancer, two Alsaid of Life's Bounty, four Selfless Savior, three Adanto Vanguard, and then an Enchantment Suite that is Staggering Insight, All That Glitters, Arcane Flight, Curious Obsession, and Curiosity. So this card, this deck draws cards if it's allowed to do its thing. Yes. And it also kills you very quickly if it's allowed to do its thing. And it has right. some very strong places to build its foundation. So it's actually a very, very powerful deck that can overpower people despite all of its cards costing one and two. And it has Luris to do it all over again if you deal with the first wave. Right. Winning in the sideboard. It's a very strong deck. Again, it basically dominated the open. And yet almost nobody brought it. So... If I had to pick a sleeper deck, I think this is it. Well, I mean, I know Maria would be thrilled. She loves this type of deck. <laughs> she got to see this go really deep into the tournament. Um, well, so what, what is this deck vulnerable to? Like, how does, how does this deck uh, intersect with, you know, interact with the Goblin deck? I mean, you can gain a, a ton of life, too, it's worth noting in this deck. The way it, the way it interacts with the Goblin deck is... The Goblin deck basically has very little chance to break this up. Right? It has very few cards that actually do anything to break it up, and you can counter those cards effectively with your cards pretty easily. You have so much so many ways to just give indestructible to things or you know, whatever you need to do. So basically, you get to do your thing, but you also can't really stop their thing. Right? Their muxus is coming. So the question is, can you finish them off before they just end you? And my focus on that is if you can't, right, if the, four, if the plan does not, in fact, work, then how did it win the Open? Because the Muxus deck was already out there. Right. And reasonably popular. Right. 
right? Not quite this popular, I don't think, but like definitely not that many tiers less. So I have to assume they have a reasonable game plan. That they're, and I know what their game plan is, I have to assume it's reasonably defensive. I guess put it that way. They're bringing Defend the Korea, I have to assume. Uh, at least looking at this list. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Karametra's Blessing and Negate is really the only is the only game one interaction for this particular list. You're not trying to interact. You're trying to protect your own stuff and then when you've got stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, you've got Hushbringer. <laughs> I mean, Hushbringer is actually kind of sweet here, right? It's very sweet. Creatures entering the battlefield or dying don't cause abilities to trigger. Yeah, so. if, you, if you can't use that big guy... A lot of the rest of that deck isn't that powerful. Right, you don't have that many other ways to have an impact. Right. Yeah. So my, my, my bold prediction for this event is a rematch of the last paper Mythic Championship in the finals. Andre Strosky with Jun Sacrifice versus Paulo Vitor Domodorosa with uh, Mono Black Gift. I'm just calling a rematch. Finals rematch. That's pretty bold. I'm going to guess it doesn't happen. And be right almost and be right every time, effectively, because that's calling two specific players. But it's a parlay, man. Like you're getting paid like a thousand to one. I get it. But uh, I think there's a reason. So yeah, I would say I think we're, I think what we're gonna see is that the people who came in numbers are right, mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I think that lot, there's gonna be lots of goblins on day two. Well, what, not, what would you yeah. what would you guess as percentage of day two field is goblins? Forty. Okay. Right so it's from, gonna go. Yeah, I would say we're gonna see a bunching, a consolidation of the field on day two, and you know those top four decks, right? Like counting goblins as both goblins and Rakdos goblins together. Are roughly sixty, yeah, you know, just under two thirds of the field now. They're like sixty-three percent. I think we'll probably see more like six in the top eight out of that wow. category. Wow. I think I want to be in one of the. I want to be in one of those four decks that are being played by twenty-two or more players, not one of the decks that are being played by nine or less. Right. Also, as you look at, you know, as you look through the metagame and you look at the. What, what predictions do you have for historic going forward? Do you see do you see a world where Muxus is banned? Yes. Do you see a world where Uro is banned? Not soon. Okay. But for either or eventually. For so Uro was not gonna be banned before the release of Zendikar. Sure. But I think Uro is a card that if you say own a copy of Magic Online, you should be somewhat nervous. <laughs> right like ride the wave get good use out of it while it's legal but definitely be concerned that's not going to last I think there's a very good chance it does not last right interesting interesting I am uh yeah I'm, I'm curious to see how uh yeah, I mean, how, how things shake out from here we should be very nervous about standard I think especially right now that you know playing Uro it's just mandatory in standard, given everything that's happening. Right. Like, having had more time to think about it, the more general concern that I have developed is they've printed all of these 
modal cards that have two somewhat slow things you can do that will greatly strengthen the consistency and flexibility of control ramp mid-range style decks. And I'm not sure what the aggro decks are going to do to keep up. Right. So I don't know how you are a aggressive player in the new standard other than wait for everyone else to keep fighting themselves. Right? Like just watch the Civil War happen and take advantage <laughs> of nobody caring. But like in terms of a natural power level, I think all of the mechanics, like you do get an untapped dual end, but you also give everybody an untapped dual end that's painless. Right. So even that makes things worse. In an important sense. So yeah, I would be very worried. In that sense. For for historic, I would say we're gonna find out that goblins are very, very good. And in Zendikar Rising, I worry it's goblins versus Uro, basically. Right? It's it's doing Uro tricks very well versus doing goblins very well. And I also think we're gonna start to understand what Thoughtseize does to a format. So I'm, I'm honestly so sick of Thoughtseize as a card. I am I, not happy to see Thoughtseize in Amonkhet. Yeah, I, I am. I am not. I am not a fan of the card. Uh, I, you know, it's always frustrating to deal with discard effects, but you know, one that's just so flexible in terms of what it takes out of your hand and is so cheap. The life total just doesn't matter. You know, the life total just rarely ever matters um it, it just it just feels like there's just some percentage of games where you just don't get to play magic and and there's and there's no um uh, climbing back from it. it it really can feel backbreaking yeah it also feels like it's so random whether you do come back or not sure which is even worse in some senses like i really hate it when, like, I thought see somebody, I take away the reason they were able to keep their hand. I give them a pile of nothing to do whatsoever, right? Or no way to get their mana online or whatever. And so you know it's visible to you. And they have, like, a 30% chance of drawing the relevant things and playing a game of magic against you. And a 70% chance they just fall on their face and die. <laughs> and so the 70% feels okay, but it's kind of a bad experience for the, the game as a whole. And the 30% is like, oh, come on. Right? So there's just no, there's no happiness anywhere at that point from either side. Yeah. There's a little bit of, ha-ha, you thought seized one of those and I drew another one. Ha-ha, but like, does that really feel that great? You know? Eh. Yeah. No, I think we, we'll get yeah. to see two problem cards possibly cruising to uh, into the top eight in Muxus and Thoughtseize. Yeah, uh, I, do, I do like that Thoughtseize will often actually prevent an interesting decision. Like, people see Thoughtseize the wrong card all the time. <laughs> but when it's obvious, it's just kind of really lame. Yeah. So, all right. So that's it for this episode of Top 8 Magic. I'm going to try to get this posted before the end of day one here. So uh, for Zvi Moshevitz, uh, this has been Brian David Marshall at Top 8 Magic. And uh, enjoy the Invitational. And, you know, maybe see you guys playing on PAX Online, check out uh, pastimes.com. They're, they're doing nine days of uh, events, cool stuff that's happening. Um, you can play Magic Online and play with access to the full vintage pool without having to own any of the cards, full legacy pool without having to play any of the cards. There's a bunch of, you know, um, 
constructed events that are happening, cool cube events and stuff like that. Uh, also, Paper Commander played on Spell Table, which I'll be doing a bunch of. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you there. Uh, it's going on from the 12th through nine days later. So it's going to be super cool and uh, don't miss it. It's a great opportunity to play Magic. I hope to see some of you uh, at the tables. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Talk to you soon.